It's Halloween. It is Halloween. It is almost Halloween. Halloween. It's my it's Halloween so, chant. So it's, it's a good chant. I like it. It's kind of like it's not Gregorian. No, it's not and Gregorian. It's, it's not Freddie Mercury quite either. No, but it's good. I like it. Can I can I tell you that I listened to that? I listened to um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like I had it in my head, and I listened to it like seven or eight times today. Nice. That's good stuff. <sighs> Still singing it in my head. Anyways. Good stuff. Good stuff, Marie. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're doing. We're story. doing Demons Part Two. Yeah. Demons Part Two. Which is the devil and demons in art and folklore. Awesome. Which is super exciting. So and the influence of the demonic, right? Yeah, on, absolutely. Absolutely. On um, humanities. The yeah. Humanities. It's going to be so good. So nope. uh, let's uh, let's just get right into it. Okay. Welcome to the Mad Scientist Podcast. This week's episode... So, um, so, don't sound too excited. Well, you know, Marie, keep it down, man. It's oh, my book fell. Oh, uh, see, see what's happening. You know what? What's you know what's, what's funny here is uh, this episode. I actually have a, I have a, well, I will have eventually a guest in here watching me record. <gasps> it is, it is my wife because we watched a movie that was too scary. Oh, oh no. But, but Katie, it is straight Katie up, Bell? it is straight up one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. What what movie was the it? The Fourth Kind with Mia Jovovich. The Fourth Kind? I haven't seen it. Is it's, it good? No, it's terrible. You oh, should no. watch it. It's really good. <laughs> oh, oh, you want something that's truly scary? Okay, y'all. So it's not on TV yet. However, it is. If you go to Sci-Fi, you yeah. can download the episode, the newest episode of Channel Zero, Dream Door, episode one. What? That's good. Oh my God. Well, first of all, like I'm such a dull bulb. I was like, I can't sleep. I'll watch it on my phone in the pitch black. Paul's asleep. Sure. How scary can it be? And again, like every single time I watch a scary movie, that's, that's the thought that I go into it. I'm like, I'm not gonna get scared one. I'm an adult. I, you know, I bring home a paycheck. I drive a car. I have keys. I'm responsible. I'm not gonna be scared. And then I am whore. I'm like, I watched 15 minutes of it and I'm like, I am too scared to watch this. This is way too scary. And then I'm like, you know what? No, this is a, this is a show just because it's dark out and I'm sitting in the pitch, pitch black with a tiny light and I can't see anything that's happening around me. doesn't have anything to be scared of. I'm an idiot. That's what it comes down to. It's really scary. Good time. Good times. This sounds scary, Marie. Oh, it's so scary. It's so scary. And it's creepypasta stuff, which is good. Good I stuff. I love October. Love October just for that. So exciting. All right. So uh, so last episode, we talked about the development of demons as an ideal, this mm-hmm. sort of historical progression of, you know, taking and merging older, older traditions, older people, uh, older cultures, views and ideas. And as your society kind of expanded, you know, um, either by force or by coercion or by whatever, just kind of, just kind of really in some cases, just the merging of cultures. Mass appropriation. I mean, well, kind of right. But also just kind of normal cultural diffusion. Right. I mean, you know, uh, the idea kind of starts to spread. Well, 
eventually then that gets merged into the overall mythos of your people. And so you end up with things like, you know, um, devils that have the names of older gods that, you know, Mm -hmm. gods that are forgotten for one reason or another. This episode, we're really going to start looking at kind of the modern view. So we're really starting here from Dante's Inferno, Mm -hmm. right? That kind Mm -hmm. of view of the devil and then move and then moving on up. Moving on up. So, um, okay. So first off, let's talk a little bit about Dante's Inferno as a beginning here. So Dante's Inferno is part of, and that's the Italian word for hell. Um, it's the first part of Dante Alighieri's epic poem, the divine comedy that was written in the 14th century. It's part comedy of, doesn't mean funny. No, it doesn't mean funny. It just means, uh, it just, FYI. it just means anything that wasn't a drama back then. Yeah. Uh, the, the story itself has three parts. There's Inferno, then Purgatorio and then Paradiso. So hell, Purgatory, and then heaven. And basically what it tells the story of is uh, Dante finds himself kind of daydreaming and falling asleep and then having a vision uh, Mm -hmm. of the Roman poet Virgil. And Virgil, of course, um, famously wrote the, um, wrote the, uh, the Aeneid, the, Oh, just, I mean, you know, one of the most important uh, figures in Western literature. Now, in this, in this story, then, Dante is, is brought through heaven, hell, purgatory in heaven, and sees kind of what awaits those in the afterlife. And really, it's, 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 it's an allegory of some kind. And basically what it, yes. what it talks about is the progression and it, it's very alchemical almost, or it's very medieval in its viewpoint. I mean, being written during the middle ages, but it really gives you this sense that, that they had then of to achieve perfection, to achieve godliness, to achieve godhood in some ways, you had to fight your way through progressive, uh, progressive cycles in some way. And you had to kind of, you had to get you had to get to the darkest, deepest part you could and then come all the way out and then get to the brightest center that you could. And so in this way, the divine comedy is thought to be a journey of the soul um, from, again, that kind of deepest pit of sin and despair up towards God. Yes, it's it's especially interesting, though, because it. Really, the Inferno is interesting for all kinds of different reasons. It's really the the book, the piece of work that kind of crystallizes the Italian language, which is really mm-hmm. interesting, right? Like before mm-hmm. the Inferno, there really was no kind of canonical uh, Italian language. Mm-hmm. And so when people, when scholars look back on the language, um, they look to the Inferno as, or as the divine comedy generally is a very important uh, text. Now. Okay. The. And it's political too, though. It is. In it a is, lot of ways. It, it reflects po- what's happening in, in, in Italian culture and society at the time. Absolutely. And it also, it's kind of interesting. It's almost like a, uh, it's in some ways like a, a Wreck-It Ralph or a Ralph Breaks the Internet. And then it has a lot of call out, a call outs to other pop cultural figures, right? There's, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of uh, yes. breaking the fourth wall, right? Kind of it's, an office vibe where, you know. Uh, it's very much like a Pixar film. It is very much so, right? And so, uh, you know, I mean, there's especially, you know, and, and not a lot of people know this. There is that section where Virgil uh, puts Dante's stapler in Jello, 
which is considered in very, <laughs> a, in very oh poor my taste. God. Okay, so for so oh okay, my. so <laughs> so clearly, what we are focusing it's on—it's all downhill from here. It's people. all the, yeah. literally, literally all downhill towards Literal. the towards the ninth circle of hell. So. Uh, Dante's Inferno starts, and this, again, this is really where we get this view of hell as being controlled by the devil, this view of hell as being a place where souls are tormented, and and also specifically, like, Dante, again, I'm not, I'm not being completely flippant when I talk about these pop culture call-outs, right, like, Dante talks about writers and yeah. people that were famous or big and names. politicians and people that are doomed to hell. Right, <laughs> right. He, he sticks them in the in the circles of hell where yeah. they, they belong, yeah. right? So he's like, cool. you know. Um, yeah, it, and it's a highly personalized. Like it's all of a sudden it, go, it goes from sort of this, you know, this general view of fiery pit of hell, right? And everybody's sort of getting, you know, you know, flayed alive or what have you to a very like a sp- specific sin is punished in a very specific way, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's this sort of um, matchup happening that hasn't really occurred before. No, and it's and it's interesting too that it's really interesting that you also have um, you in some ways have Dante as well, kind of calling out the the girl that he had a crush on in like high school. Beatrice. Right? He's like he's like right? Beatrice. You know he know. and and like you gotta wonder his wife must have felt pretty weird reading about Pe- you know he well, never put me I in think? hell in his poems. Yeah, I know exactly. And she was pretty young too. If I if, uh, if it's a little serves. yeah, Dante might have Dante maybe should have been in the hell for uh, creepy Dante? old men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Yeah. So so uh, the story starts with the idea of. Um, they start to make their way towards hell and they first cross over, uh, they cross over the river, right. Um, mm-hmm. into actual, like actually into hell. And so, uh, you know, Charon, the, uh, the, the Greek, uh, God, the Greek, or not really a God, but the Greek mythological figure who is the ferryman yeah. across the river sticks. The harbinger, right? right He's he, the one who's going to show you there. Yeah. And so he warn you. He comes and he tells Dante that, you know, you can't come over your living. And Virgil's like, come on, man, don't be dumb. Um, come on, dude. Yeah. So he so he he brings him over to hell. And so uh, at, at the really at the first point of hell. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They they basically get to the nine circles. Now, the nine circles is a very again, uh, the nine circles are a very. It's a very, it's a relatively modern conception, right? Again, it's from the 14th century here, but I think it's one that we still kind of have in our minds and we still even say things like, you know, that, oh, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on seventh heaven, right? Um, mm-hmm. It comes from these ideas mm-hmm. of Dante. So the, the nine circles of hell, the first one is limbo. Um, uh, this is where Virgil is. It's for those that are unbaptized or who, who are virtuous pagans. Um, so they're for people that don't accept Christ. Yeah, so pretty much like ninety five percent of your population's there. Yeah, so so basically they basically they just live in not heaven, <laughs> right? <laughs> but like not it's not purgatory, but it's not heaven either. No, but no. So it's it's interesting, right? So he, he mentions right? a bunch of people. He says he says he sees uh, you know he sees Aristotle there, Socrates and Plato. He sees Democritus. Uh, he sees uh, Zeno. Um, he sees uh, Marcus, Tullius, Cicero, Seneca. Uh, you know, Avenici is there, actually Avicenna, who is a polymath, I guess, but it's interesting. It might have been Avenici. And so he uh, he finds this 
Um, he, he finds this area where just the unbaptized are. And, and then it starts to get bad. Right. <laughs> then, then things start to get serious. It's not bad enough. Right. And no. these people are beyond saving. So the difference between this and purgatory is purgatory. You are you're in limbo. You could. Well, you're not in limbo because limbo is the, the circle of hell. But you have the potential of redemption. Yeah. If you're in hell, it's not happening for you. Yeah. All bets are off. So uh, the first circle that he comes to that really is the punishment, an area where punishment occurs, is the second circle of hell. Uh, the circle, second circle of hell. Um, he says that this is the area for the carnal malefactors, also known as those overcome by lust. Now, that's the other thing too here is that you're going to see that the the Dante puts the... Um, and I mean, we are in no way Dante scholars, but he puts the sins in a way that he thinks like he puts them in the areas, I think, where he thought they were the most serious. Right. So yeah. obviously the guy who kind of still had, you know, a bit of a hard on for his high school girlfriend is like, ah, oh, lust isn't that bad. We're going to put lust in the bottom. Well, um, again, but it's it's very culturally it's like culturally appropriate like, or for that time. It reflects not just Dante, but sort of. Dante's class and his social standing and the the view of of Dante's peers in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he gets a little like a little side eye in there for anybody who he dislikes. Now, what's interesting is the so the second circle, second circle, the, the kind of some of the reasoning that the scholars give for why this wouldn't be um, why this wouldn't be so terrible or why it's not thought to be as bad as some of these other ones um, is that it lust has to have a mutual component, right? So for Dante kind of uh, violent lust would be violence. It would not be lust. Lust means more of a kind of like love out of wedlock or, or you know, passion um, without, I guess, kind of the church's uh, allowance. Yeah. Without social sanction. Yeah. Now. Um, so lust, the, the punishment for lust is you are basically constantly being pushed about in a violent kind of like a, like a, not only a tornado, almost like a, I guess like a hurricane of sorts a giant right? shoving match. And so you're constantly, you're constantly pushed against a, a giant wall, right? Uh, by a terrible wind and just kind of constantly seeing, um, constantly seeing this pit beneath you and you're constantly, you know, about to be swallowed up. And then the wind comes and pushes you away. And it's very, it's super interesting, right? So, um, the, the third circle then is, uh, is gluttony. Gluttony, the, the 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 punishment for gluttony is very interesting. It's um, it's the, these the gluttons are are stuck in a kind of like a, a giant puddle of poo. Yep. With with like <laughs> with unending ice storms, unending rain, unending unending ice ice storms and things. Yeah. Um, because hell's still not hot, right? Up right. to this point, it's it's not a hot place. Yeah, and, and so uh, and so Cerebus, uh, the three-headed dog, right, is there, uh, is there constantly just biting and, and snapping at these people and ripping their skins apart. It, it's super interesting. Now he, uh, this is where you first get the idea of of uh, the the whites and black Guelphs, which is this like, it's like it's almost like you know that comic online where it's like, are you pro scub or anti scub? I don't even know what that is. Okay. Well, anyways, Dante's pro scub and he's like, all the anti scubs go to hell. Okay. The next, the next circle is greed. 
Um, and so greed, greed is there is, a circle for not getting for not getting the most. You, you, there is references. There is. You're going to be there. I'm there. I'm there. Now, what's interesting here in the greed section? Me doing section, the macarena in this, <laughs> forever. In, in his greed section, is that um, it's he mentions that some uh, what's the word that some uh, some religious figure should be in this circle of greed, right? Mm-hmm. Those who hoard their possessions who squander their their wealth and they're not charitable right um mm-hmm. they're constantly forced to joust with each other and they have these like these giant uh skin sacks full of money on them that they have to fight each other with okay right it's yeah. crazy <laughs> um the next one is wrath um wrath is it's, it's again a river of poop and it's people who just constantly, they just constantly fight each other. Right? So it's like the people that want to actively fight come to the top and bite at each other and punch them and whatever. And then the people that are kind of like swallowed by their heat are, are just on the bottom drawing in this mire, this muck. It's again, all of this is like super. Um, it's so pungent. It's it's writing. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, okay, but it's also like it's also making again social commentary, right? So these people are, you know, they're they're swallowed by their own, you know, like they're the royal of their own dilemmas and their own hate and their own everything. There's no, there's never any rest or any any um, any like downtime, right? Or any yeah. quiet or any no, yeah. peace. It's like there's there's never like the I think the interesting thing about Inferno is sort of just the sheer amount of physical activity and the sheer amount of like frenzy up until you reach the center circle. Mm. Right. And then the center circle is almost well, we're, we're getting there. But yeah. Yeah. So um, so the next circle is mm-hmm. uh, actually the, the Towers of Dis. They are. It's a city. The city of Dis is the city yeah. uh, that has this. Um, what's the word that has this? Uh, the lower hells within it, and Dis is is surrounded by these kind of these marshes of, you know, rage and gluttony, and then this deep chasm and mountain range of lust and, you know, um, kind of the the the. <laughs> the outermost fields, I guess that at least aren't, they're not great, but they're not terrible. Right. It's, you know, it's fine. It's not great, but it's fine. Um, it's whatever. Like, so you get to this, you get to this. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is Dante. This is, this is a really interesting thing. Dante is met with the furies and Medusa. Eh, yeah. Tossing them in. That's good. Well, the furies, I think that makes sense too, right? Your fates. It does, but it's it's fascinating though that it's kind of because so dis the walls of dis are guarded by fallen angels, as well as these furies and Medusa and other kind of Greek god figures almost. So it's again it's kind of a pulling in of this long history that the Greeks and the Romans had, um, and just kind of you know kind of easily you know gently folding it into the modern myths, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so um, you then get to finally the sixth circle, which is heresy. Now, um, this is really where it gets start. It starts to get very political, mm. right? Um, there are many old emperors. There are famous leaders from Venice, um, from Rome, from all over the place, from Florence, um, in these uh, tombs that are that are flaming. These like 
constantly on fire tombs. And um, this is kind of where the heretics are kept, right? There's also some popes here. Again, very interesting. Some popes. Yeah, um, some, some popes thrown in for good measure. Yeah. So uh, the seventh circle is violence. And these lower circles are kind of divided further. So there's um, there's violence against your neighbors, which is people that are, you know, murderers, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And these are people that literally sit, they, they sit and they boil in a, in a, in a, just a vat of boiling blood. Oh. Right. Um, the next circle is violence against oneself, which are those that committed suicide. Mm-hmm. They are transformed into terrible trees um, mm-hmm. with uh, harpies constantly picking at their faces. Um, so, you know, again, kind of a very, um, and he, the one important fact here is that he, he re, he's told that the suicides will not be resurrected at the final judgment um, nope. since they got rid of their bodies in life. Yes. Um, so it, it's interesting. They're very, um, they're very hard on suicides. You know, well, it's, it's yeah. very, very interesting. Well, I mean, and again, culturally at the time, you know, the taking, taking your own life, right. Would be, would be, you know, would be a sin. Like it's, it's, it would be like one of the gravest sins. And it's almost like, I look at like the, the circles is almost like a mandala, right? Like you start with sort of this very general and then it gets closer and then it becomes focused on the self. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the center of it is like the soul. Right. I mean, basically everything is coming down. And so you go from, from violence to others, right. Which are again, your proximity to suicide, which is the harm you would do and the taking of your own life. And then the final, and I, I think I got that right. Right. There's the final one is, is, is about the soul. Yes. Itself. And that's how I, it's almost like this, this weird inversion of, of, a of a, of a meditation chart, mm-hmm. of a mandala it, in some ways. That's true. That's interesting, actually. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So, the, so humanities major. Killing it. What? Killing it, Marie. So the I'm next. I'm telling you, man, I wish I got paid for this type of stuff. I would, <laughs> so the right? next, uh, the next ring. Um, so we had, we had ring two of the seventh circle was neighbors. Right. Then self, then it's actually against God, art, and nature. Now, this is interesting because so uh, the image here is that of Sodom and Gomorrah. You have Mm -hmm. a burning desert of flaming sand with fireballs raining from the sky. Mm -hmm. So you have the people that are uh, are, uh, the blasphemers, those who make fun of or curse against God, Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. who uh, those who commit sodomy which is considered um, violence against your natural order or the natural way. And then you have those that uh, lend money at exorbitant rates. Super interesting. From, from, and I'm doing this off my memory, like from the, the very center of it, right. Is frozen. Yeah. So we're going to, yeah. yeah? Okay. I'm still, I'm still, I'm jumping ahead, yo. No, but it's, it's it's interesting though. So, so yeah. So the eighth circle now is fraud. Um, uh-huh. so the eighth circle, they first meet the monster of fraud, which yes. is this like giant, uh, dragon almost right. That, yeah. uh, that flies them down um, into the eighth circle. And so this, uh, this eighth circle is like I said, frog, 
and this is the Malibulge or the evil ditches. Um, so uh, you have a basically it's like a giant funnel, uh, like an amphitheater almost. Right. Yeah. And so then you have these uh, concentric circles or ditches kind of things. And within them are people that are being. Uh, <laughs> you have these basically people that are just kind of like going around and getting whipped and beaten different ways. So the first one of these are those that were um, that were kind of those that would try to try to make people do what they wanted by by basically like tricking them into doing it. Right. So these are panderers yeah. and seducers. Um, they literally kind of like they run around in a circle and demons beat them. <laughs> right. Um, the next one is flatterers. Um, right. They are covered yeah. in poop. Um, Again and, with the poop. And are forced to fight themselves. The next one is the Simoniacs, which are those who um, these are those who actually sell entrance to heaven or sell yes. uh, sell bishopdom, sell, uh, yes. you know, priesthoods, things like that. Yes. Um, they which are is interesting. Right. This is, That's right. Like, this is all the 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 falsities of of yourself, like taking again, it's sort of like the things that separate you from your own true nature in Christianity. Yeah, is, is flattery, you know, takes you away from yourself. The selling of the selling of worship, like, again, divides you're taking away from yourself. And it's almost weird because it's like it's more it's it's viewed with more contempt than suicide. It is. Well, the thing is, right? so so these so are actually they're uh, they are held in. They are held in these kind of uh, like these kind of almost test tubes. I want to say <laughs> like these kind of uh, they're they're supposed to be like the demonized baptismal fonts. And so yes. you have these people hanging upside down in these test tubes and then there's fire constantly burning their feet. And the fire that's burning them is proportional to their guilt. Uh, now, what's crazy is that in this section. Um, they have so, OK, it says here that they have. Uh, Pope Nicholas the third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Then Pope Boniface the eighth. And then uh, Pope Clement the fifth. Now it's it. What's interesting is the first one's in the tube until the other one dies. Then they put the other one in the tube and that one dies. And they put the other one in the tube. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, it's very weird that's for, for a Catholic, right? For yeah. Dante, that's a pretty damning. I mean, he just put like, his spiritual leader in, you know, in a, in a worse place than suicide yeah. and judgment. No, Which I is, mean, that's like, that's a pretty big, that's pretty inflammatory. It's not great. In, the, in that day and age, right? That's like, you're going to garner some, uh, some attention. Yeah. So the you next know, one. Gonna get going to get some write up in the New York times on that one. <laughs> the next one is for sorcerers. Their mm-hmm. heads are turned around and they are forced to walk backwards for all eternity. Right. Um, constantly, right. constantly crying. Because they can never, because of the folly, they can never see, they can never see the future because they always look to the past. Yeah. Uh, the next one are, are corrupt politicians. Um, mm-hmm. They are uh, immersed in a lake of boiling tar. And then, because of their, only. and then yeah. they have uh, the uh, Malabranche, the evil claws, tear them to pieces forever um, in this stickiness. Mm-mm-mm. Gross. And was that was that with the um, was that the popular vote or was that the? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Marie. <laughs> Something tells. Listen, throw them all I'm in just... pitch. Throw them all in. 
The next I'm one. Just saying. The next one is um. The next one is the hypocrites. Mm-hmm. They are. Um, it's interesting. They they just kind of like walk around slowly. They have robes that are made of lead, and so um, they're they're actually covered up in this really funny thing. They have a they have a robe on, and the robe looks really nice on the outside, but it's heavy and lead on the inside. Yes. Um, interesting. The next I mean, is and again just such a good allegory, right? Like yeah, such a like vivid like to your point. Like he does a lot of real visceral stuff with poop and bodily function, but then just the idea of something that is constant looks normal, but you look normal, but you're constantly weighing yourself down by by being a hypocrite is to me again, it's just very it's very poetic. Yeah. So um the next one is the thieves. Um they are in a basically a pit with giant snakes. Um <laughs> so they're constantly bitten by snakes. The uh the next one is um the frauds. Um mm-hmm. or those that help the frauds. Um these are basically uh, these ones are basically kept. Um, they're kept hidden in flames. So they're like they're like uh, moving about uh, this kind of darkened, uh, darkened pit almost. And um, they're just on fire, but they're never seen. And they're it's kind of supposed to it's supposed to represent their um, it's supposed to represent their position as being kind of behind the scenes, I guess. Yes. But they're right. knowingly that these are the ones that are knowing they're not being taken advantage of. Yeah. But they're the ones that, that help perpetrate fraud. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's kind of it's kind of a weirder one. Um, yes. The next they're one. Carl Roves. <laughs> they are definitely your Carl Roves. The next <laughs> one is the Sowers of Discord. Mm, um, these mm-hmm. ones, basically, there's a big demon with a sword. He uh, constantly hacks them up. Um, and then they're once they're once they're broken up. They're forced to walk about again. Again, remember, this is all within a giant circle, a giant circuit here. Um, yeah. They're forced to basically walk with their decaying, broken apart bodies, and they slowly will heal as they drag them until they mm. get back to the demon, and then the demon cuts them up again. I'm Eliza, and I need you to listen to me. Have you ever felt so much? that you don't know where to put it all, and you wonder if anyone would notice if you screamed. Because you want to. Scream for the ones they've hurt, the ones they've taken. Scream for yourself. These are my words, my story from my perspective. Because I know you'll hear other versions. Because I want you to have a chance to believe mine or at least hear it. If you're getting this, it's already over. But if one of you listens, really listens, it won't be for nothing. Um, now, what's Ooh. interesting here is that uh, the, the founder of Islam in Dante's Inferno is found in this area, um, hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, but I mean, like, yeah, he he's he's putting everybody in there. He's, he's putting in there literally everyone who isn't named Dante or Beatrice is going in there. He's um, got, yeah, he's got a wide he's got a wide uh, he's got a wide uh, berth on this. one. He sure does. Now, the next one is the falsifiers who are uh, basically, you know, just filled with terrible diseases. Um, OK, now. Uh, finally, they get to the ninth circle, which is treachery. Now, mm-hmm. this is. 
is a ginormous frozen lake. Um, the In lake, the center the of lake, the funnel. The lake known as uh, yeah. Kokodis, the ninth circle. Now, trapped in this ice are, uh, are uh, treachery against those who had special relationships, uh, treachery against those who betrayed their city, treachery against mm. those who um, go against their, uh, their fathers or their families, and then finally, um, those who go against God. Yes. Now, the, the first one... The center of it, yeah. The first one is Cana, or named after Cain, right? The, the uh, Cain right. and Abel. Right. Um, next, you have Antinora, which is named after Antinor, who uh, betrayed his city to the Greeks um, during the yes. Trojan War. Right. The next one is uh, Ptolemaea, which is named after Ptolemy, mm-hmm. who um, invited his sons, or his father-in-law, and the father-in-law's sons to a banquet and then had them murdered. So this is where yep. uh, this is where uh, uh, the fries or the you know uh, would be mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones. The of fry, yes. Um, <laughs> then the next one is uh, the next one is Spoiler Judica. Alert. Yeah. Judica named for Judas, and this is those Judas. that are traitors to the Lord. Um, now yes. at the very very center is the devil, and this is Dante's uh, this is Dante's description of the devil. Quote. The emperor of the kingdom Dolores from his mid breast forth issued from the ice and better with a giant I compare than do the giants with those arms of his. Consider now how great must be that hole, which unto such a part conforms itself. Were he as fair once as he is now foul and lifted up his brow against his maker, well may proceed from him all tribulation. Oh, what a marvel! What a marvel it appeared to me when I beheld three faces on his head the one in front and that vermilion was. So um, the devil has three faces in Dante's story. Mm-hmm. He is said to be covered in ice, except for his upper body, his upper torso. Yeah. Um, he's like submerged in it. And he's not in this, in this telling, he's not really the king of hell. He is being punished. Yes. Right. He's, he's, he's being punished. He turned his back on God. Yeah. Which is the ultimate. Right. He's the, he's the ultimate, that's the ultimate treachery is you turn your back on, you stop believing. Absolutely. Yeah. And now this is really where we get these uh, stories of the devil. Now, what's interesting here is that um, the devil here is represented as having, again, three faces and uh, wings underneath each of the chins of his face. He, uh, the reason that the wind, the reason that it's frozen, it's lake is that every time he moves his wings, um, it cools the water and freezes it around him. So crazy. So uh, kind of showing, you know, okay, you have all this power. Great. Every time you try to use it, it'll be turned against you. Yeah. Um, And that everything's cold and frozen and still. Like that's the other thing. It's like the treachery is like, treachery is like when you turn your back on God, there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing, right? It's frozen. It's cold. There's no redemption and there's no, there's no movement even it's the yeah. absence. What's interesting here is that um, the devil in, in, in Dante's Inferno in each of his mouths is chewing on a, a kind of chief sinner, right? Mm-hmm. A, tre- a chief tre- uh, treacherer throughout history. So he mm-hmm. is a uh, Judas Brutus mm-hmm. and Cassius and Doritos for those that don't know. Um, Brutus uh, assassinated uh, Caesar Caesar. Yeah. And Cassius helped to plan um, 
the assassination of Caesar. So it's a very Roman centric yeah. worldview. Kind of. You got two <laughs> Romans and then you have Judas. You think you could find another another treachery, right? It's, it's like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You, well, you it's know? Italian. It's Italian. It's very so it Italian. Makes sense. It's very, it's very Italian. Italian. I'm surprised. It's very Roman. It makes good sense. I'm surprised he didn't put that punk kid who parks in front of his house. <laughs> you know, that's my spot. Um, now, what's interesting here too is again Dante's depiction is 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 of the devil as basically a giant, um, stupid, not stupid, but. Not splendid, not cunning, not not intelligent, just kind of this big hulking monstrosity who almost almost like a cow chews the cut of these sinners and stupidly flaps his wings and freezes himself in the pit. It's It's, pitiful. It's it is pitiful. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think that that being like, again, the idea of what is the most important thing in Dante's time and in Dante's religion is. The idea, again, like you can you can get away with a lot of stuff. You can be bad. You can be lustful. You can be a flatterer. You can you can be ill, but you can't you cannot ever you can never give up faith. Right. Because if you give up faith, you're you're less than human. You're less than anything. And it's it's that's the ultimate like not just the ultimate sin, but that's the ultimate punishment is what happens to you. Yeah. Which is very like to me, that's a very Christian. That's like one of the big the foundations of sort of the idea of faith in a lot of ways came from, came from that idea of Dante and that's sort of the center, the center stone of it, which is interesting. Mm. So uh, what's, what's fascinating here then is just how long (laughs) Dante's view of the devil sticks around. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's definitely, I think if we're moving on, I think the next kind of the next, best iteration is Goethe and Marlowe. Sure. With the idea of Faust, right? Mm-hmm. So Faust is originally the, the story of Faust. Faust was actually a real person, was a real scholar. Not, not terribly much, I don't think, is known about his real life, but the, the myth and sort of the legend and the stories told around Faust, you know, multiple iterations, multiple major storytellers, um, even up to this day. So it's like the first, I think the one of the first famous ones was the story by Christopher Marlowe, the play of Dr. Faustus, which mm. is a learned scholar, right? Who is, he's either a theologian or a scientist, right? And he, um, and he and his servant, you know, crave more knowledge. They crave not just the knowledge known of man and of sort of on earth, but the, the whole idea of what is beyond life, what, you know, what is, what's beyond our reach. And to garner this knowledge, they summon a demon. They summon, they decide to, to barter for this knowledge. So they summon a demon. The demon is almost always, it's Lucifer later on, but it's, it's Mephistopheles. So mm-hmm. Mephistopheles is, is, is more of the trickster servant or more of the trickster demon type personality in all of these plays and will come forth and he'll say, you know, what, so what, you know, Hey, what can I do you for? Um, and then he inevitably Faustus bargains signs over his immortal soul to Satan for whatever he wishes, which is almost always, you know, he'll go through sort of the earthly delights, but it's always the idea of the pursuit of knowledge. He need he wants to know, 
more than man is supposed to know. And at the end of all the stories, they'll go through multiple, you know, he'll go, he'll see Helen of Troy, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll have all these experiences, but nothing ever really satisfies him. And at the end, he bargains or he, he realizes his error and says, you know, famously in one of the plays, I'll burn my books. I'll give up all of this knowledge not to go to hell, but it's too late. And he's ultimately dragged back to, uh, to hell. Hmm. What's, in- what's interesting mm-hmm. is it's really Faust and that legend, that idea, and that kind of, I want to say the kind of uh, the bringing about or the kind of publishing and popularization of that legend mm-hmm. type really show it, it's, it's kind of a turning point in the depictions of the devil. Yes. From a huge one. From a, a being, a pit, again, a pitiful being who turned mm-hmm. their, who turned their back on God and will forever be punished in the you know, mm-hmm. the worst possible punishment being completely secluded from the light and warmth of God mm-hmm. to something with agency, right? In yes. Dante's telling the devil could never escape. The devil was no. stuck in hell because God put him there. Yes. Right. The devil doesn't yes. escape hell. The devil doesn't send things out to do his no. bidding. Right? No, the devil has no idea of anything because they, he's turned his back on God. So it's not even a, He's not even really in existence in his agency or in anything else. No. Yes. And so it's, it's these kind of stories. And I think yeah. to, I think to, a, 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 I don't, this is kind of just a feeling on my part, right? I don't have a lot of backing for this because the yeah. thought just no. occurred Lay to me Lay it on now. me, Slim. Lay but, it on me. You know, it, it's kind of an interesting, it's an mm-hmm. interesting, uh, it's an interesting, I think, tool as well for say uh, po- politics or churches politics to have someone to blame for bad things, right? If if the devil is just a person or if the devil is just a thing that is being punished by God, Mm -hmm. then they're, you know, it's not nearly as compelling a story as there is a constant battle of good versus evil. And the God is on the side of good, as opposed to God being this kind of more nuanced idea or figure. I think it's an easier sell. You know what I'm saying? I would disagree with you only in the respect that, sort of within the Faustian legend, the devil is damnation, but the devil is also knowledge. The devil well, is, absolutely. is uh, like, again, you can, the Faustian, you know, the Faustian myth goes all the way through to Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. So Frankenstein is science, right? That this, that this doctor, Frankenstein, is going to, is going to create life. They're going to go beyond what they morally should do. Mm-hmm. And he, they do it anyways. And it's sort of, I look at the Faustian myth as sort of how do you deal with the repercussions of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? If you, you have learned something, you, have, you, have, you can never give it back. You can't ever burn your books. You will always have knowledge. And so what is the responsibility of now taking care of the monster that you've, that you've born? And that's the idea that, again, like you're, you're going to go through it. You're going to kind of burn through all these earthly these earthly delights that, um, you know, that the church frowns on. But when you really come to, you know, when you really come to some sort of fundamental knowledge or truth or something that is that, you know, that is that forward that much, like they, like Mary Shelley put forward, what is your responsibility to it? Mm-hmm. And that's the damnation is that you are responsible, that man is responsible for these things. Humans are responsible for these things. And when they don't take responsibility for their actions, that is the damnation. 
sort of that turning your back. And that's almost worse than that's almost worse than having sort of the convenient boogeyman for the church in a lot of ways, because, again, it sort of puts it back on people. Right. Yeah. That's in, well, it's, what's fascinating, actually, mm-hmm. is that you. So another really important humanities uh, major, another <laughs> another really important turning mm-hmm. point for the way that the devil was viewed in the American lexicon is in Mark Twain's The Mysterious Stranger. Oh, yes. Um, now, yeah. uh, this book was written in or it was published in 1916. Right. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's 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 unfinished. It was never finished. He wrote it between 1897 and 1908. It's, it's actually, I think, one of my favorite pieces of Mark Twain um, writing. But uh, basically what the story says is um, there's three kids, uh, Theodore, Seppi, mm-hmm. and Nicholas, and they're living in an Austrian village. Uh, the town they're in is called Esseldorf, which is German for Assville. Um, and the story, because Mark Twain was nice. nothing if not... Very proper jokes. The story is, um, so the story basically is, uh, one day a a kid shows up in the village and his name is Satan. And he tells these boys, I'm an angel. Um, I'm the nephew of Satan of the Satan. And, uh, you know, look at this magic I can do. Look at these things I can, I can do. And so he, uh, tells them their futures. He tells them about these terrible things that will happen to their town and the people that they love. Um, and they don't believe him at first. And, and then the things start to come true. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Satan then tells them, well, other this other stuff's going to happen too." the kids say, well, please, please, you know, fix this for us. Help us. And so like any good trickster, God, Satan does help mm-hmm. them, but in a kind of warped way. So, for instance, he tells one of the kids, you know, um, your, your, your uncle, your aunt, whatever, someone is going to get sick and the boys say, well, help them, help them, please. And so Satan kills them immediately. Um, as opposed to letting them suffer for a long time. Right. Or even get sick. Now over the, over the time, over this period of them being kind of moved about, um, Satan shows them other things magically. He brings them about he shows them, um, he shows them witch trials, uh, Mm -hmm. people being hung or burned at the stake. He shows people uh, suffering from mass hysteria, right? He shows them these terrible things, um, all these terrible things that happen due to religion. And the end of the book, the, the story ends with Seton kind of, you know, disappearing, um, but leaving behind a message for the kids, which is, uh, quote, there is no God, no universe, no human race, no earthly life, no heaven, no hell. It is all a dream, a grotesque and foolish dream. Nothing exists but you. And you are but a thought, a vagrant thought, a useless thought, a homeless thought, wandering forlorn among the empty eternities, end quote. It's, Way to l- end on the upbeat there. It's kind of, well, it's kind of an interesting, right? Like, thanks, Satan. God. Thanks, Satan. Man. No, but again, like, it's your own agency, right? Like, it's your own responsibility. It's your own, you know, it's your own humanity. Like, the idea of hysteria, the idea of, of even, like panic you know the satanic panic it's like we it's your own free will that are doing these things so i think what's really interesting about faust sort of the faustian legend coming in is like where is your free will in this Mm -hmm. like you don't have to sell your soul to satan you don't have to want these things you don't have to make a a choice or a decision like this you choose to do it and you're not being you're you're not being goaded into it necessarily 
because even even sometimes within the stories, Goethe's story or Marlowe's story, he's warned, you know, they're warned by, you know, or, you know, cautioned. There's there's ways to turn back or stop, but mm-hmm. they don't. And you can't really like the story is like put forward like, well, how much of that is really up to Mephistopheles or Satan? And how much of it is really up to the agency and the free will of the individual? Yeah. And and that's kind of the shift I think that ultimately happens here is so you have that you have this earlier depiction or this kind of, I guess, classical view of Satan as a as an angel, right? As an as an archangel. Mm-hmm. Um that then has to be reconciled with the idea that well, God punished Satan, so how does that make sense? And you see the medieval view of Satan being encased in ice, this monstrous figure that's been, you know, uh, just punished to, to you know, yeah, terribly punished by low. God. Yeah, laid low. But then you start to see this idea of Satan as a, as a trickster, as a, as a different kind of thing, someone that, uh, like Maria's saying, someone that tr- doesn't, it's not really a trick necessarily. The adversary. He's yeah. the adversary. It's more like someone who's, yeah. that, that voice in your head that says, well, what, you know, why, why not do this? Why not steal the, the candy? Why not, why not set that thing? on fire? Right. And this idea of, and, and actually you start to see, you start to even see mm-hmm. this in art, right? Yes. So there's a, there's a painting by uh, Thomas uh, Stoddard uh, called Satan summoning his legions from 1790, which shows Satan again as an angel um, in, in full armor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pointing and, and drawing his demons out, drawing his figures out. Um, and this is, you know, uh, very, very uh, different than the depictions of Satan from things like, say, um, you know, from, from the Inferno or from the, yeah. the engravings yeah. and things from the Inferno. Yeah. So it's fascinating. And that's, and that's really the, I would say the, the idea or the view that's stuck around in the, mo- to the modern day is this idea yeah. of the devil, Satan, whatever, as kind as almost a, um, almost a sly, handsome figure, un- unassuming, right? Well, you have sympathy, right? Sympathy for the devil. Absolutely. Right? It's like the big next, I would say, like almost the next huge cultural pop culture, you know, turning point is entering into pop culture. And, or we, we also totally forgot to talk about, you know, him in music or Satan in music. But that's like, to me, a, a big kind of a big turning point. Well, the well that's it's actually really interesting, right? There were uh there were chords, there were specific notes that were or rather specific again, kind of chords, yeah. specific clusters Gerta. of notes yeah. that were not supposed to be played because they were thought to be the devil's notes. They were thought to be a, a, a key that the devil especially discord. loved. Yes, it was it was discord. Yeah. Right. Um and then you also have and so in in kind of the modern American lexicon then this trickster element, the musical element, all of it really comes together, Marie, in the stories of the blues man at yes. the crossroads. At the crossroads. Yes. Yes. I love that one. That is one of my favorites. That is one of my favorites. It is a good one. And again, because, you know, you have, you go, you're going to sell, you're going to, there's something, you know, even with, with Faust about you're going to sell your soul for it now instead of doing the hard work to earn it. Yeah. Right? Knowledge is knowledge is there to be earned through experience. But if you're going to shortcut that, then what does that do to you? What does that do to your soul? Like you're going to sell it at the crossroads to to play music. I that's that's an awesome one. I think also the emergence even further along of, 
just pop culture, you know, Neil Gaiman using him in uh, Lucifer and the comic book series, now the TV show, right? It's like he's got his own TV show, you know? That's some pretty good stuff. It's in- and yeah. he's always, I think the thing, too, that always cracks me up is the adversary character, the villain, the devil is always inherently more interesting. Plot story, better lines, better music, better everything than your hero. Well, because the because the, the hero has to win. Because the good guy, you know why the good guy's doing it because he's good. He's doing well, it because he's doing it because his mom why? probably told him to be good too, just like your mom did. But I mean, isn't so? Isn't then the, then your argument naturally is then good is not inherently as as worthy as as bad. It's, it's not as interesting. No, it it's, should, it's not as interesting. But that's the thing, yeah. though, is I think I think that's the whole that's Which the whole point crazy. of the temptation, right? Yes. Is that it, it, it's cool to smoke cigarettes with your friends, Marie. <laughs> it's cool to do hood rat stuff with your friends. Hood rat stuff. That's what it comes down you're to. Totally, you're totally reformed. Hood you know what? I, you know what I really like actually is huh. so in so okay. We had this idea of the devil as a trickster. Yeah. What we start to see in the modern day, though, in really the mm. And I and I would say this is true in say Neil Gaiman's work or in mm-hmm. modern paintings or modern depictions mm-hmm. or ideas of the devil is not the devil as we're kind of coming back full circle, not the devil as a trickster or a thing that even the devil doesn't do anything to you. Right. The devil is people turning away from doing the right thing or being yes. kind or whatever. So there's a painting yes. that I think is very powerful by uh, Jerome Whitkin, um, Mm -hmm. it's the devil as a tailor. And it shows this figure uh, sewing, uh, basically sewing uniforms for the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just someone sewing and the Mm -hmm. title, the composition, everything about it is very striking. And it, it points to, I think this idea that we do have in the modern world, which is of, you know, we don't need the devil to be evil to each other. Right. We don't need uh, we don't need something, someone to trick us to be bad. Right. Right. It it seems like people sometimes even when they think they're being right or doing the right thing or being good, being moral, um, will do terrible, horrible things. And sometimes even it is the banality of evil. The that, is, people, yeah. that is the most terrible part, the, the how commonplace it is. Right. You, yes. you know, I was just doing my job. Yes. I was just, just kinda, following orders, just following orders. I was just right. get, going along to get along. Right. Um, it's fascinating. Yes. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I think to, to see where uh, these yeah. depictions go, because we do see in modern work, you know, in in everything Neil Gaiman does, the devil is shown as David Bowie, right? Like the devil is always <laughs> so, David well, Bowie, kind of, yeah. Um, or or Tilda Swinton, um, yeah, one or the other. Yeah. Who could tell? Who could tell the really? difference? But I mean, sort of like I think you have you come full circle in the like the devil. Like right now, it's there's a very humanizing, right? We humanize the devil. The devil's now weary. The devil wants to leave hell. The devil's tired of all this stuff. Yeah. The devil just wants to be left alone. The devil's done with his job. You know, and I think that that is, again, that's almost the banality of evil. It's like the de- the idea of that is the adversary. And depending on what your your cultural, religious world belief is, that that's evil. And that you can't, you can't 
ever let evil fully off the hook or have a full appreciation of it because it is not in your best interest to do that ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's sort of the tension that you kind of start to forget is when he becomes a very sympathetic character, a very interesting character, a very, like, that is the inherent interest in it is that you, you want to trust and you want to like and you want to have something respond to something that is, that has that kind of allure, but... Right. I think that that's that is sort of the the balancing act and the hook with with something like that type of a character. Absolutely. So Which is fascinating. It's so good. Now, it's so uh, good, even though. OK, so we so this episode, even though I didn't really think the TV show was that great. Maybe some people I think it was renewed. Yeah, eh, I think so. Lucifer, did it get renewed? I thought he was pretty good. I just think that they really missed the mark. I don't know what it was. I just don't understand how they can't make a Constantine TV show work <gasps> for more than a season. Constantine, it, yes. It breaks and my heart. Tilda, Tilda Swinton was in, oh, and he was great in that. Yeah. Wasn't he? He was good in that. Oh, my goodness. Drives that was me, good. Drives me crazy. That was like there for a hot <sighs> second. Good God. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, and the usual suspects, if you want to talk about the devil, right? The devil in modern, the devil in movies. Got you've got uh, you've got you've hereditary. got the idea of the oh, well hereditary well yeah. yes but I mean that's more like this is devil worship but like <laughs> the idea <laughs> this is a family drama and it's devil worship um but like the idea of the trickster of the 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 storyteller right that's the other idea of Satan is the storyteller he's gonna mm. lure you in with the story you're gonna forget about stuff and then like that he's gone yeah. Love that. It's interesting. Love Kaiser Sose, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I had right. to explain that to Paul like five or six times. He's really? Like, when we saw it, like when we, we we literally had to like, the first time we saw it in a the theater, he was like, now, who is, is that, did he shoot him? Is that guy, <laughs> is he dead? No, the other one, the, the Baldwin, the Baldwin brother, is he, is that, I'm like, baby, no, what are you? And so is he the same guy that was, I'm like, we have to leave. Oh my goodness. We have to Marie. leave. We had to see it three or four times. Honestly, I think, I think it would be one of my favorite depictions of the devil in all mm -hmm. modern mythology is on the Simpsons. When <laughs> Homer, he, he promises his soul for a, a donut. Yes. Right, one more donut. Yes. And so Flanders, you know, appears yeah. in a, in, in, in horns and, you know, the goat hooves and everything else and whatever. Yes. And he's like, you know, and, and, and uh, hell there, never, right. yeah. but Homer is like Flanders and he's like, it's always the one you least expect. And then exactly. uh, they do, they do a thing where they have a trial for him in, um, they have a trial for him in the house. And when, when Satan appears, he's like, Oh, Hey Bart. And Bart's like, Hey, <laughs> you know, and, uh, as his punishment for Homer, um, you know, wanting the donut and then not having to give up his soul, uh, the devil turns him into a giant donut and, the episode ends with Homer right. trying not to eat himself, even though he's delicious. Uh, Poetic. See? Those Simpson writers. See? That's, that's what a philosophy degree gets you. Anyways. So Dante. All right, dear listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mad Scientist Podcast. We have a lot more scary, demony stuff coming up here for the rest of Halloween season. Demony stuff. So next episode, stuff. we are digging into the less deviled eggs. No, I'm the, <laughs> deviled eggs. We're, we're going deviled egg recipe. We're going for the less glamorous side, the less mm -hmm. positive or kind of, I guess, culturally interesting <laughs> side of of the devil in uh, in exorcism and modern views of 
the devil acting as a negative force in the world. So uh, hope you're ready for some scary what? stories. It's going to get pretty spooky. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at MadScientistPod or at TeamGiantSquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.